Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me. Yes, it's him. And uh, we're joining you on this uh, July 4th episode uh, to uh, continue our series where we uh, discuss players who have worn particular uniform numbers. And on this episode, we'll be uh, matching two teams up against one another, uh, players who wore number 88 versus players who wore number 99. We're going to be uh, adopting our typical format in these episodes, many of our episodes, where we select uh, a center, power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. And uh, we're going to do that right here, starting with uh, players who wore number 88. Without further ado, let's uh, jump into it. Mills, who did you have among players who wore number 88 at center? I had um, Goga Batadze. Goga Batadze, yes. Now, this is a current player. Yeah, actually, um, most of the players um, who wore number 88 are current, in fact. And, um, yeah, I mean, this guy is in this, just finished up in second year in the league. He's from Georgia. Um, Georgia the country. Georgia the country, yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, solid. Yeah, just getting his career started, really. has only played 99 regular season games so far. Oh, Hasn't featured in the playoffs yet. Yeah, you're you're pretty excited, right? I mean, 99 games so far for a guy who's worn number 88. No, it's just like 99. He was so close to getting to 100 during the regular season. Well, get this. He not only has played 99 games, he was also born in 1999. Yeah, I mean, this guy's really 99-ish. <laughs> and, I mean, he's featured in an episode where um, – where, uh, we're talking about the people who wore number 99. So this guy really going he, all out 99. He's a great fit for this episode, to be sure. Uh, he actually didn't make my team, but uh, let's talk a little bit more about him. He's 6'11", uh, 250. Yeah, as you said, I mean, just getting started in his career, hasn't really played uh, substantial minutes yet. Uh, just um, 4.1 points per game so far in his career, 10.4 minutes uh, in his career thus far. But uh, has had has had some moments in his career so far. I mean, has had as many as 14 points in a game, as many as 11 rebounds. So uh, has shown a few things, but I think he's been dealing with some injury issues so far in his uh, career. Certainly a guy who's proven himself overseas, uh, played in the, uh, in, in the Serbian League, was uh, the MVP of the Serbian League back in 2019, as well as the uh, Adriatic League MVP. And, uh, you know, just getting started really in his uh, NBA career. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm my favorite current players a little bit because I'm just, like, more used to seeing the name. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, Goga Batazzi is certainly a guy you could uh, you could dream on. He, he might well, uh, you know, uh, establish himself more firmly on this 88 team in the years going ahead. Uh, I, I certainly could uh, could see him uh, taking a spot on, on my squad in the future. But uh, but for right now, I went a different direction. I went at, uh, at center for the 88s. With, uh, with Markeith Morris, a guy who uh, is also a current player and someone who uh, is a little more established. Yeah, I had this guy on my team as well. I think I had him at um, a small forward here. And um, this guy, um, Keith, Smooth, Snoop Dogg. And, um, yeah, I mean, has really developed into a really nice shooter. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a guy who's uh, – Actually, no, I'm thinking of his brother. His brother, uh, yeah, well, interestingly, has a brother, uh, Marcus Morris, of course, his twin brother, who's also in the NBA. The guy, Both these guys have been in the league for quite some time. Uh, stars at uh, University of Kansas. We actually uh, might be on the campus at the University of Kansas as soon as uh, a couple of days from now. And, yeah, as soon as two days. 
Yeah, so uh, he was taken with the uh, 13th overall pick in the uh, 2011 NBA draft by the Suns. Uh, played the first few years of his career there before moving on to the uh, to the Wizards, the Thunder, the Pistons, and the Lakers. More recently, actually won a title with the uh, Lakers back in uh, 2020. So a feather in his cap for sure. A guy who hadn't been wearing number 88 until fairly recently, last year, in fact, with uh, with the Pistons and with the uh, Lakers. Uh, from uh, from Philadelphia originally, the that, that area. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's had a really good career in the league. I mean, he and his brother both have, have lasted quite some time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, getting into the league in the early, in the early 2010s and um, making a career for themselves. Yeah, still going pretty strong. I think, uh, you know, he's probably got some years left. I mean, who knows? He's in his uh, early 30s now, just finished his age 31 season. Hard to say exactly uh, how long uh, NBA careers are going to last. People can drop off pretty quickly. But he certainly had a fine career uh, thus far. A guy who was uh, pretty highly recruited out of uh, high school, along with his twin brother, and uh, yeah, I mean they, they were prominent players at uh, University of Kansas, and uh, have gone on to uh, terrific NBA careers as well. Yeah, uh, averaging over uh, eleven, or actually at eleven points per game across his uh, almost seven hundred regular season games thus far. Uh, and as you mentioned, maybe uh, his brother Marcus, uh, a bit better of a shooter, but still uh, averaging uh, you know thirty four percent from uh, from three for his career. So. Something of a threat out there, if not a, uh, you know, quite a uh, bomber's percentage. Yeah. All right. So uh, you want to keep moving here and uh, move on to uh, to your power forward? Yeah, I had um, Nemanja Belitsa. Oh, yeah, Nemanja Bielitsa. Now, I think as we move through these guys, uh, obviously, Markeith Morris not uh, doesn't fit the bill here. But a lot of these guys uh, coming from overseas, a lot of Europeans uh, wearing this uh, number 88. Nemanja Bielitsa certainly no exception. Yes, and um, wait, who's the first guy we talked about? Oh, we talked about Gogo Batasa. Yeah, and he's also from um, Europe. So, um, yeah, and overseas. And um, is, is Georgia in Asia? I think it is. Um, uh, Georgia's in, in Eastern Europe as well. I mean, the same, same part of the world that, uh, that, that Nemanja Bilic is from. He's, of course, from, uh, from Serbia. Yeah, and um, he's been pretty good. I mean, kind of dropped off with the heat. Yeah, I mean, didn't have uh, that much opportunity this past season. Uh, only played uh, 37 games out of the uh, 72 on the schedule, starting only three of them. I think some of that was a little bit situational. I mean, like, didn't get a lot of run in uh, in Sacramento to start the season because, uh, you know, they just weren't prioritizing an older player like uh, Nemanja Bielica. He was playing his age 32 season. He came uh, to the league very late at 27. Yeah, exactly. He had a, a pretty substantial career overseas prior to uh, making the leap to the NBA. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, did a fantastic job overseas, so uh, we, we can get to that in just a moment. But uh, taking with the uh, 35th overall pick in the uh, 2010 NBA draft, and of course uh, didn't make his NBA debut until 2015. Yeah. Uh, if we're to uh, to believe uh, basketball reference, uh, known as uh, Professor Big Shots and uh, Belly, uh, probably related to the uh, Bielitz, uh, uh last name, I, I would imagine, the, the Belly one at least. And, uh, yeah, a guy who um, has had a pretty solid uh, NBA career. He's definitely had some good moments, known as, as being a, a pretty effective passer uh, despite his big size. He's one of these guys who I think developed some uh, point guard uh, ball handling skills prior to uh, shooting up in height. He's uh, 6'10", uh, 234 is what he's listed as. But a guy who, as we mentioned, I mean, had some really good moments in, uh, in Europe, actually won the uh, EuroLeague MVP in uh, 2015 oh, wow. prior to uh, coming over to the NBA. Yeah, I mean – Oh, wow, I was right. I mean, EuroLeague is uh, probably second best league in the world. And uh, to be the MVP of that is uh, pretty cool. I mean, that, that's pretty good. you got to be awesome for that. Yeah. Uh, also, the uh, the Serbian player of the year that year. It was on, of course, the all-EuroLeague first team and the uh, forward of the year. So, so some ter- uh, some terrific honors for uh, Nemanja Bielica. Uh in, in his uh, 
uh, European career, but also, I mean, ha- has had some really good moments in the NBA. I mean, ha- had a season back in 2019, 2020, obviously just a couple of years ago, where he started 67 out of 72 games, averaged a uh, career high 11.5 points per game, uh, 6.4 rebounds. So has had some pretty good moments in the NBA. Yeah. And a pretty good threat from uh, from three as well. I mean, as, as a 6'10 guy who's uh, shooting almost 39% from three for his career, that's a pretty significant threat. And a guy oh, yeah. who can handle the ball as well. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he, he has the he is a pretty decent passer for his size. I mean, despite the assist numbers not really being fantastic, uh, you know, when he's given uh, an opportunity to, to, you know, participate in that way. So Yeah, I mean, his assist number is only 1.8 per game for his career. I mean. Yeah, I mean that's, uh, but I mean you know it's not giving a lot of opportunities, you know, yeah. to, to handle the ball and, and set guys up. So I think uh, you know you could see him hang around for a few more years. I think it's going to be pretty situational. I mean, this year you saw he was traded to the Heat. I think kind of as an insurance policy for those guys, didn't really uh, have that much reason to uh, to use him just playing eleven games with the Heat. So we'll see what happens for him going forward. But certainly a guy who's uh, who's contributed and a guy who's actually worn number eighty eight a fair amount. I mean, wore it his first couple of years in uh, Minnesota and again with the Kings. Yeah. So, I mean, an 88 specialist. Uh, you could say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I actually had Nemanja Bielitsa at the uh, at the three. I went a different direction at the four. I went with a guy who I, I gather didn't make your uh, make your squad, but uh, he did make mine. We haven't talked about him yet on the podcast. Uh, I'm talking about Antoine Walker. Yeah, I mean, he's a three-time All-Star, an NBA champion, and an all-rookie team. I mean, the only reason I didn't have him on my squad is because he only wore 88 for one season. Now I did have somebody else on my team that didn't wear 88 for, that wore or 88 or 99, I'm not sure, for only one season, but I didn't realize that. So, hey, sorry. Um, yeah, but this guy, I mean, I definitely thought about him putting on him on my team. It's just like I don't know, I just didn't do it. And uh, I mean, yeah, Tony, um, employee number eight, and um, Cyber Tony, and um, that's actually Twan. It's like if you just remove the N from his first name. Oh. Tuan, employee number eight, and I'm Cyber Tuan. And, I mean, yeah, this guy got a, a, over 20 points a game a bunch of seasons in a row. Yeah, he sure did. I mean, I remember this guy really well. I mean, a three-time All-Star, actually won a title with the uh, with the Heat in uh, in 2006 as a, uh, as a as a bit player. Um, actually started a bunch of games for them and played every game that season, but uh, not, not in a huge role. A guy who uh, definitely more memorable for wearing number eight, uh, wore eight to, uh, to start his career and really for the bulk of his productive career with the Celtics. Uh, drafted in uh, 96 by the Celtics, uh, sixth overall. And, uh, yeah, played the first, uh, uh, what is it, seven years of his career with the Celtics before uh, returning to them after uh, spending some time in Dallas, in uh, Atlanta, and with uh, with the Heat before wrapping up his career with the uh, Timberwolves. Definitely remember this guy well. I mean, I was living in Boston for uh, some of the time that he was uh, starring for the Celtics. Uh, just like, you know, a, he was a, a creature of his time. I mean, like the Eastern Conference wasn't that good during uh, during Antoine Walker's time, but uh, he was on some some Celtics teams that uh, that advanced pretty far in the playoffs. I think, you know, you just look at his statistical profile now. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, he's got a bunch of 20-point seasons to his credit, a bunch of all-star appearances. But, I mean, look at those shooting percentages. I mean, it really tells you all you need to know about Antoine Walker. I mean, it was the experience of watching him was to see a guy who was taking way too many shots, given how effective he was at making them. 41%. 41% from the floor for his career. I mean, that's that, pretty good. That's pretty bad. I mean, especially for, for a, a big guy like Antoine Walker. I mean, 6'8", 224. But a guy who was just, like, absolutely in love with his three ball. I mean, and he shot 32%, uh, 32.5% from three for his career. And, uh, 
you know, he, he was playing in, a, in an era where, you know, there weren't guys shooting as many threes as, uh, as, as we're used to now. I mean, we talked about that plenty of times on the show in the past. But, uh, you know, he was still finding a way to get up as many as like eight threes per game back in 2001, 2002. But, I mean, he's shooting like 34%. I mean, and he had, he had seasons where he shot, you know, under 30% from three, uh, despite getting up quite a few attempts. So just a very inefficient player in my experience. And, like, the kind of guy who, if he was, like, one of your top two players, like, you probably weren't winning anything too substantial. I mean, he got through uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Celtics because uh, the conference was pretty weak. But, um, yeah, I mean, def- definitely a player who uh, who I-, I thought was pretty overrated during his career. And I, I think looking back, that certainly uh, uh, appears to be the case. Yeah. Did get in 893 regular season games across his career after um, being drafted out of Kentucky, as, as I mentioned. Um and uh, wrapped up his career at age 31. So actually, uh, you know, packed all that in between age uh, 20 and age 31 after uh, leaving Kentucky, I believe, after one year. Yeah. Made uh, made some really good money in his career, but uh, famous as well for uh, having had uh, financial troubles uh, uh, post-career. So, uh, well, he, like, you know, filed for bankruptcy. He didn't have enough money to pay the uh, paid debts that he had coming due. So uh, not the best at managing his money, but, um, you know, so it goes with Antoine Walker. Yeah, he made um... – one hundred eight million one hundred forty two thousand and fifteen. So, yeah, he made some good cash during his uh, during his career. That's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, a, 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 certainly a notable career for Antoine Walker, if not one that I thought was uh, too fantastic. Uh, watching it play out in, uh, in in real time. Yeah. So I'm let's forty four now. Yeah, forty four years old at this point. Maybe we'll get him on a birthday episode one of these days. Who knows? All right. So we have um, August twelfth, nineteen forty one. That's a great point. Yeah. All right, so we had Antoine Walker as uh, as my four. Uh, we had uh, Markeith Morris as uh, as your three. Uh, my three was Nemanja Bialica. So we can move on to uh, your two. Who do you have at the uh, the two on this uh, eighty eight squad? I had Markeith Morris, who we had talked about. Right, I, I you had him at the three. So I was saying, who do you have at the two? Wait, who do you have? Nemanja Bialica. Yeah, so um, I had at the two. I had Nicholas Batum. Now, um, yeah, Nick, his nickname, and um, classic uh, Nicholas uh, nickname. Yeah, Nick Batum, and uh, yeah, this guy um, was pretty. It's pretty good, and uh, I mean, with the um, Clippers right now, and um, he's putting up some nice numbers. I mean, eight point one points per game this past season. His first season with the Clippers, actually, I did not realize that. I thought he would been on the Clippers for longer. But um, yeah, I was on the Hornets for five seasons before that, and um, played on my um, my Blazers for a while, and uh, yeah. That's where he began his career, and it's where he wore his uh, number eighty-eight. I mean, got going, uh, you know, a pretty early time for a number eighty-eight. I mean, back in uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when he made his debut as a twenty-year-old with the Blazers, uh, even less guys had worn number eighty-eight. So uh, you know, no Gogo Batase or uh, Markeith Morris, or uh, I don't even know if Antoine Walker had worn it at that point. Um, yeah, I guess he had, but uh, yeah, he was uh, one of the early number eighty-eight. Uh, yeah, no, least I hadn't worn it yet, but uh, yeah, a pretty impressive career from uh, Nick Batum overall. I mean, he's only thirty-two right now, so might actually have some uh, productive years in front of him. I think coming off a terrific season with the Clippers, I think he's going to have plenty of teams uh, coming after him in the off season. He's a free agent, has played uh, eight hundred and fifty-six regular season games uh, in his career so far, has played uh, a bunch in the playoffs as well. Uh, 58 regular, excuse me, 58 playoff games, including 19 this year with the Clippers in a uh, significant role for them. But a uh, really impressive career. I mean, a, a really long uh, athlete, a guy who can shoot it. 
36 uh, percent for his uh, for his career, so a threat out there. But a guy who uh, has a lot of versatility defensively at a six eight two thirty, and um, yeah, taken with the twenty uh, fifth overall pick in the uh, two thousand eight NBA draft uh, by the Rockets and uh, traded to the Blazers. Uh, also, this guy has a uh, primo birthday. Man, look at that, December fourteenth, and um, same as yours. And uh, this guy, um, yeah, I mean, from France. And uh, another European player. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 25th overall. I'm not sure if you mentioned that. But, I mean, I think definitely um, good for his pick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he re really paid off uh, for that 25th pick. A uh, guy who's represented France, uh, as you mentioned, in an international uh, capacity on a number of occasions in the past. Actually, uh, the uh, uh, head of basketball operations for uh, for a French uh, French team. I'm trying to trying to check down uh, which, which squad that is. The team that's owned by... Uh, by Tony Parker, uh, also obviously a storied NBA player himself. And uh, yeah, I mean, a guy who, uh, you know, we, we might see uh, continuing to be involved in, uh, in, in basketball post-career, but uh, hopefully he's got some uh, years to go here uh, in, yeah. in the NBA. He definitely has uh, nice. has reinvigorated his career with the move from uh, from Charlotte to, uh, to LA. Has made a lot of money in his career. I know we, we just mentioned that and we don't typically uh, talk about cash earned, but uh, Nick Batum, a guy who uh, signed a max deal with uh, with the Hornets uh, back when he was a free agent, leaving the Blazers, and uh, I believe he made $120 million over five years or something like that. So a guy who's made a lot of money in his career as well for a guy who was taken as late as he was in the first round. Yeah. I mean, $144,527,591. I just like to say the long numbers, so... There you go. Yeah, big ups to uh, to Nick Batum. I had him at my uh, two spot as well. Guy who could certainly play a few different positions. I mean, guy who you know swings between the uh, the two, three, and four depending on what's going on in the game. So, um, but a guy who I think we could squeeze in here at the uh, the two, despite his uh, pretty big size at six eight. Yeah. All right, so let's keep it moving here and go to uh, to your point guard. Who do you have there? I had. Um, wait, do you have Nick Batum as well? Yeah. I had um, Alex Alexi. Shved. Alexei Shved. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk Alexei Shved. This is a uh, Russian player. Yeah, and um, I mean, he um, he's nasty. Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, about Alexei Shved. I mean, what uh, what what did he do in his his NBA career? I know he's no longer in the in the league right now. Yeah, this guy um actually in his final season he played on three teams and in his sixteen games to the Knicks he had um fourteen point eight points per game. And uh, also 10.3 points per game in one season there um, yeah, in that whole stretch there with the um, Sixers, Rockets, and Knicks. He averaged 10.3 points per game. It only played three seasons, but um, actually, I mean, played 182 regular season games. So played like a season and then 100 more games. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, 82 games is a season, and then uh, if you play 182, it's uh, 100 plus 82. Yeah. Well said. So, uh, yeah, Alexei Shved, a guy who uh, you know just came over for a few years, had a successful career over in uh, in Russia, played with uh, Cheska Moscow for, I think, parts of six seasons, uh, Dynamo Moscow as well, and uh, made the move to the NBA. And uh, guy caught uh, probably the most run of his career that first season with the uh, Timberwolves, playing in uh, 77 regular season games. And a guy who really, I mean, was never able to get his uh, percentages, I think, up to a level that would work in the NBA long term. Uh, just a, you know, under 37% from the floor for his career, uh, just over 30% from uh, from three on uh, not too significant volume. So 
uh, yeah, just never able to uh, to, to kind of get um, all the pieces in place, despite uh, you know having been uh, almost the same size and uh, weight as, as Jordan. Six six one ninety. How much did Jordan weigh? Jordan, I believe, weighed uh, one hundred and ninety two pounds. Was it? Uh, 198 pounds, so it's a little bit lighter than Jordan, but pretty close to that classic Jordan size. Uh, didn't have the Jordan haircut, but um, uh, yeah, some similarities, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I, a Russian-born player and who, a guy who's uh, had some success playing for uh, the Russian national team in the past, as well as uh, playing overseas in uh, a number of different countries in Europe. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, not a ton more to say about uh, about Alexei Shved, but I had him at my point guard as well. So actually, look, look. won the Euro Cup MVP in 2017. Yeah, that's worth mentioning. So this is like post NBA career. This is during his time with uh, with Kimki, a uh, another Russian squad. Yeah, he's still playing them right now. Yeah, and actually, you know, signed a contract uh, for some pretty substantial money with uh, with, with Kimki. So uh, I, you know, you certainly get the sense that some of these guys who uh, play in the NBA for a while, it really enhances their profile. When they go back and play in, in Europe or elsewhere overseas, they're able to be sold as like, hey, this guy, you know, got a whole bunch of NBA run. And of course, uh, that's true, Alexei Shved. Yeah. All right, so let, let's quickly run down our, uh, our our 88 squads, and we can talk about uh, a couple more guys who uh, wore this number. Actually, just one more guy. Um, yeah, I had, um, I had um, a center, Gaga, Goga, um, Batazde, um, power forward, Montevielitsa, um, small forward, Marquise Morris, shooting guard, Nick Batum, and point guard, Alexi Schlen. Yeah, and I had uh, center Markeith Morris, uh, power forward Antoine Walker, small forward Nemanja Bialica, uh shooting guard Nicholas Batum, and point guard Alexei Shved. All right, so it's just one more guy, as you mentioned, that we need to uh, get to here, and we're talking about uh, Christian Iyenga. Yeah, this guy um, played um, as a small forward for, what is this, two years in the league, and um yeah, it's only um, 32 right now, so you never know. And uh, it's playing in the Euro League right now, I think. Yeah, still playing uh, right now. Has scored as many as uh, 16 points in an NBA game back in uh, the 2010-2011 uh, season. So it's a real uh, feather in his cap. But, yeah, a guy who didn't get a ton of run in the uh, the NBA, just uh, 51 regular season games. Although he did rack up uh, 20.6 uh, minutes in those games. Playing with a uh, with with a Cavs team in 2010-11 that uh, definitely needed some some bodies, and that was uh, the bulk of his NBA work. But a uh, guy who was taken with the uh, 30th overall pick in the uh, 2009 LeBron. NBA draft. Yeah, I mean, he got to play with LeBron. That's pretty cool. Actually, playing on the Canton Charge. Uh, Canton Charge, yes, that's a uh, a G League uh, squad, and has played in a number of places overseas, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, he's playing currently over uh, overseas in, uh, in in Spain, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's played uh, in a bunch of different places. I mean, Spain, China, uh, Poland. So, I mean, definitely it's gotten around the world, uh, you know, like a, uh, you know, good basketball. I mean, that's, uh, that's sometimes what you got to do. Yeah. Travel around the world and uh, play pro ball and uh, get paid for it. It's pretty cool. Um, has also uh, played on the uh, the Congo uh, national team. This, uh, has got some uh, Congolese uh, ancestry. It was, yeah, it was born exactly, uh, yeah, back in uh, 1989. All right, so let's take a uh, quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment to uh, discuss uh, the guys who wore number 99. Now we're back to uh, discuss uh, players who wore uniform number 99. Let's uh, start at center. Mills, who do you have at center among this group? The all-time great. Number 99. Taco! 
George Mikan. George Mikan, yes. Now this is one of the uh, one of the all time greats of the game. Yep, he wants to Paul. And um, I mean, Hall of Famer, four time All Star, three time scoring champ, five time um, and champ, um, 52, 53 rebound champ, all uh, six time All BAA slash NBA and All Star Game MVP. I mean, this guy. Ooh, he was nasty. Mr. Basketball, Mike and the Magnificent, the monster. Big Mike. I mean, he was nice. Yeah, I mean, one of the great players in the early days of uh, of the BAA, NBL, and, and NBA. I mean, guy who uh, dominated in the early stages of, uh, of these leagues. I mean, won five titles, uh, dominated in, in college at DePaul, as you mentioned. And, uh, you know, it was a huge – I mean – a, a huge man. I mean, 6'10", 245 at a time where uh, those guys were even considerably rarer than they are now in terms of the size. And a guy who was uh, in, encouraged to uh, to play hoops by uh, uh, DePaul coach Ray Meyer uh, back in the day, uh, really uh, encouraged uh, George Mikan to take advantage of his size, not be embarrassed or uh, self-conscious about it, to take advantage of uh, all that he could do for him on the court. And a guy who, uh, you know, became – an utterly dominating force. I mean, you know, you look back at the uh, 48, 49, 49, 50, 50, 51 seasons. I mean, a lot of league and scoring in each one of those seasons. Yeah, pretty impressive. And I uh, look at what he did in the playoffs. I mean, this guy won, uh, won five titles in uh, seven years uh, playing professional ball. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he also was a great scorer and a great rebounder. Yeah, no question. I mean, the guy who had, uh, had, had a massive impact uh, in, at the college level, uh, winning uh, College Player of the Year in uh, 1944 and 1945, uh, an All-American three times, uh, uh, led DePaul to an NIT title back in the days where the NIT and NCAA titles were much more comparable than they are now. And a uh, guy who, um, you know, uh, has his number uh, retired, of course, by uh, DePaul, number 99, uh, one of the few 99 wearers all time, and a guy who had a massive uh, impact on the game uh, off the court as well. I mean, post-career uh, became, uh, you know, went, went and coached for the Lakers, uh, just a, a short stint there, but really had a huge impact as the uh, the head of the ABA. I mean, uh, started uh, uh, a whole bunch of different innovations in the ABA that have uh, made their way to the NBA. I mean, uh, George Mikan credited with uh, the uh, multicolored ball that uh, became used in the ABA. Here, that, George yeah, I mean, he came up with that when he was uh, running the ABA. And also, I mean, I don't know if you know about this, he came up with the three-point line. Oh, wow. It was one of his innovations uh, in the in the ABA, and, of course, that's uh, completely revolutionized the NBA game as well. So, really, I mean, some uh, huge accomplishments for uh, uh, George Mikan, I mean, on the court and off, and, uh, you know, a, a legend. I mean, you know, one of the great players of all time, much less, uh, you know, among 99 wearers. Yeah. Of course, his uh, his brother, Ed Mikan, played in the NBA, and his son, uh, Larry Mikan, as well. And... Um, yeah, I mean, is there more uh, more you want to say about George Mikan? I mean, this guy, uh, a tremendous legacy. No, but other than that, he had a great career. Yeah, had a fantastic career. It was really, uh, you know, notable for uh, changing, uh, being the impetus for uh, changing some rules in the early days of the NBA, too. When he uh, showed up, there was no rule against goaltending. And uh, he was so tall that he was, uh, like, goaltending and like, catching balls before they got to the hoop, uh, you know, beyond the height of their, uh, uh, their arc. And... Uh, and change the rules to uh, prevent their uh, prevent you know someone as tall as George Mikan from doing that. Yeah. Uh, before George Mikan came around, it didn't seem like it would be that important to uh, stop someone from goaltending, but uh, he made it so that uh, it, it was pretty important, and, uh, and and they changed the rules as a result. Also, they widened the lane 
uh, as a result of George Mikan. They basically doubled the width of the lane. It used to be six feet wide, and they expanded it to 12 so that George Mikan couldn't like stand underneath the hoop all the time and had to clear out every three seconds. Oh. So some pretty big shifts as a result of uh, George Mikan's influence in, uh, in professional basketball. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let, let's keep moving. If we don't have more to say about uh, about George Mikan right here, uh, who do you have at uh, power forward? Of course, I, I had George Mikan at center as well. Um, I had um, George Glamalak. George uh, Glamak, I think Glamak. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this guy. I didn't know too much about him prior to uh, uh, doing the research for this episode. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, I mean, 9.3 points per game for his career. And, um, I mean, played in a similar era as George Mikan and uh, didn't do that much in the league. Yeah, I mean, just played uh, played a little bit with the uh, the Indianapolis Jets, I believe, in the uh, the BAA back in the 48-49 uh, season, just, uh, just 11 games there. But actually uh, had some experience uh, elsewhere in professional basketball, played with the, in the NBL with the uh, Rochester Royals uh, back in uh, the 45 45- uh, to 47 seasons, as well as the uh, Indianapolis Kautskis, the uh, Hammond uh, Calumet Buccaneers, as well as the uh, Grand Rapids Hornets. You know, there were a lot of a lot of teams back in the day, I mean, different leagues that had uh, emerged in the early days of professional basketball, and uh, George Glamack uh, getting some opportunities in those. Uh, in doing the research for this guy, I mean, it's kind of interesting to uh, come across his, uh, his nickname, uh, the Blind Bomber. Yeah, was he blind? He was uh, not blind, but he had uh, really poor eyesight, apparently. So he was, I mean, it was understood that uh, he had a hard time uh, seeing the basket and had to rely on the uh, lines on the court to understand where he was in relation to it. Interesting. Yeah, so I, I think people were impressed at how good of a shooter he was, given that he couldn't see very well. Of course, uh, you look at his uh, statistical profile as it's available on Basketball Reference, you know, he shot under 25% for his career. Probably not a representative sample of like what he actually did, you know, across his broader career. Yeah, I mean, but still, like, if you can't see the hoop and you shoot twenty five percent, it's not horrible. It's <laughs> a, a good point. Uh, scored forty five points against Clemson uh, in nineteen forty one. Actually went to uh, University of North Carolina, so a, uh, a you know big time basketball program, of course. And uh, you know, one of the guys who was there in the uh, the early days, unfortunately, uh, no longer with us at. Uh, uh, having passed away at age 68 back in uh, 1987. I thought it was notable as well. I mean, this guy was uh, the same size as uh, Jordan and actually went to the same college as well. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, a lot of talk about Jordans. Well, I mean, Jordan comes up a lot when you're uh, talking about the NBA, I would say. Yeah. So uh, George Glamack, uh, Glamack, I'm not, not exactly sure how to pronounce his name. Uh, he did make my squad as well. He made it at the two. Uh, there Weren't a lot of guard candidates uh, in among these uh, 99 wearers, so yeah, I right. had to kind of squeeze them in there. Listed as more of a, a center slash uh, forward on basketball reference, so I'm assuming he'd be out of position at the two, but hey, yeah, yeah I had to go with it. I, I went with uh, went a different direction at the four. I actually chose uh, the bane of my existence at times uh, over the last uh, uh, 18 years or so, uh, Darko Milicic. Yeah, I mean, what bust. Yeah, no doubt. But let's uh, let's fill the uh, fill the listeners in a little bit on the Darko Milicic story. Yeah, I mean, drafted number two overall ahead of um, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and uh, Carmelo Anthony. And the Pistons drafted him, your favorite team. And uh, yeah, I mean, just really rough. Yeah, pretty painful stuff. That was the uh, 2003 NBA draft. Of course, uh, as mentioned on the podcast before, I was there in person. Uh, very excited to uh, to witness this uh, this huge pick. 
uh, Darko considered, uh, you know, really a top prospect. I mean, I was excited about it at the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he rode the bench on that uh, that Pistons championship team his rookie year at age 18 uh, in 2003-2004. Uh, got a title uh, with, as a result of uh, being on that squad, but just really never got his NBA career rolling. I mean, I think it was a struggle for him in the early days under uh, Coach Larry Brown, not getting a lot of opportunities. Those first two years with the Pistons, uh, just 4.7 and uh, 6.9 minutes per game across those years, not even playing in half the games. Uh, so really limited in terms of his on-court work, and I think it really uh, set him back. Yeah. Uh, just never really got it going as a, as a player. I mean, never uh, developed the kind of consistency that you would have hoped for and uh, and expected. Did manage 468 regular season games uh, before leaving the league at age uh, 27. But, um, yeah, I mean, a huge, a huge bust. I mean, uh, obviously the Pistons uh, could have selected someone in that spot with the uh, second overall pick that uh, would have uh, given them a much better chance of extending their uh, title run. I mean, they, it did extend for, for several years in terms of them being competitive, but uh, would have furthered their, um, their efforts uh, quite a bit. A guy who didn't wear number 99 for much of his career, I mean, really just at the end of his career, uh, showed up with the Celtics right down the end and wore number 99. I believe it was just for one game. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, there, there haven't been a lot of 99 wearers uh, over the years, so I went with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one ninety nine for one game at least got a rebound, um, wearing ninety nine and um, got up a shot, but it didn't go down, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, so just a very, very, very brief cup of coffee with the with the uh, the Celtics there. Did uh, did actually make it onto the uh, all time NBA leaderboards in one area actually ninety seventh all time in uh, blocks per game. Not horrible. I mean, he had how many blocks per game? One point three. That's not terrible. Yeah, so I mean, he's he, you know he he did that that one thing in in the NBA, uh, but yeah, not not a great career overall for uh, for Darko Milicic, a guy who actually uh, continued to play basketball until uh, uh, just that that year with the Celtics. I mean, didn't even play overseas after um, after leaving the NBA. Yeah, I mean, not great. I mean, you know, as a number two overall pick, you make uh, make some pretty substantial money. Actually, made as much as uh, over fifty two million dollars in, uh, in in the NBA. Um, yeah, so just try to get drafted high because uh, <laughs> it can really be good for you financially even if uh, you can't play that well. Yeah. All right, so let's keep moving here. I had uh, I had Darko there at the uh, at the, the four, so let's move on to uh, what you had at the uh, – going on at the three. Yeah, I had Roy Rogers. Now, I used to love that place. Now, they have fantastic roast beef. Definitely known for it. Yeah, I mean, this guy um... – Went to Alabama, big time Alabama guy. I mean, from, or, or I mean, born in Linden, Alabama. Went to high school in Linden, Alabama. Went to college at Alabama. I mean, didn't play in Alabama, but still. Classic Alabama guy. Greatest Wikipedia page of all time. Yeah, he went as far as it can go. <laughs> Wikipedia page? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in, in Alabama, playing hoops. Uh, but uh, why do you love what do you love about his Wikipedia page? It just looks so great. It's just like he just like doesn't care. There's a, there's a, a kind of grainy picture of uh, Ray Rogers as an assistant coach with the Pistons back in uh, 2012. So let's talk a little bit about his NBA career. I mean, a guy who's gone on to a, a substantial career as a coach as well. Yeah, I mean, solid NBA career, I guess. I mean, played four seasons. Kind of. All right, three seasons and. Um, didn't really do much. 
Yeah, really, I'm getting the most run his uh, his rookie year. He was taken with the uh, 22nd overall pick in the uh, first round of the 96 NBA draft by the Vancouver Grizzlies. And, uh, you know, as a team that was, uh, you know, hadn't been in the league very long, uh, got quite a bit of uh, opportunity his first year, played every game, starting uh, 50 of them, playing 22 and a half minutes. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was about the best of it for uh, Roy Rogers. Uh, blocked two shots per game that year, but uh, really wasn't able to get anything going too consistently uh, thereafter. Yeah, I mean, block two parts, shots per game, so we got a little trend going here with blocks. Yeah, yeah. And how many did he have for his career? 1.5? Where's that a leaderboard? Well, I don't know if he actually uh, played enough games to uh, to qualify uh, on the all-time Ooh, leaderboards rough. because uh, just 137 regular season games. Uh, didn't start any after the 50 his first season and uh, just made his way around, uh, you know, Grizzlies that first year, but then the, uh, the Nuggets, the uh, Celtics, and the Raptors. Uh, really ha- has gone on to a pretty successful uh, career as an assistant, though. Has uh, been an assistant in uh, w- with the Nets, with the Celtics, the Pistons, the Wizards, the Rockets, the Bulls, and most recently with the Clippers. So actually just uh, eliminated from the playoffs recently. Yeah. Actually, um, also, um, he um, got 13 blocks in the game in college, uh, presumably. Actually, had uh, had, had tied 14. the NCAA record uh, at the time uh, with 14 blocks, yeah, against uh, Georgia back in 1996. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, so a big time shot blocker for sure at the college level. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's keep moving here. I had uh, I did, did I have Roy Rogers on my team? Um, I did uh, I, I did not. I actually had at the uh, at the three. I went a different direction. I'm sure you have this guy in your squad as well. Current player Jay Crowder. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's going to the finals. His father's Corey Crowder? Wait, Corey Crowder? Yeah. Who's that? His dad's uh, Corey Crowder, a guy who played in the NBA for uh, for a while. Yeah. Um, um, you just said he played in the league for a while. He played for 58 games. You don't think that's a while? All right, forget it. Um, Jay Crowder, um, um, the Beast. I mean, what a nickname. <laughs> the Beast. Yeah, that's a great nickname. I mean... Played on a bunch of teams. He's played on the Mavericks, Celtics, Jazz, Suns, um, Cavs, Grizzlies, and Heat. And um, going to two finals in a row. Yeah, pretty impressive. I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, taken with the uh, 34th pick in the uh, 2012 NBA draft. I mean, a second rounder. And, uh, boy, he had a great career for a guy taken in that draft slot. I mean, 668 regular season games so far. And as you mentioned, I mean, really uh, 88 games so far in the playoffs, and uh, he's got some more coming this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some huge games coming up for him. Absolutely, going for his first uh, NBA championship, but it's really been part of of some pretty successful teams overall. I mean, with the Heat last year, I mean, it was an essential ingredient of what they were doing, uh, providing a uh, big-time three-point threat, and uh, has really been that over the course of his career. I mean, a guy who can match up against – you know, variety of different players on uh, on defense has a lot of strength in his game and in his body, and um, yeah, I mean, a guy who you know ha- hasn't always been super consistent. I mean, I think you know you look at his uh, uh, shooting percentages; they've fluctuated quite a bit over time. But a guy who's been able to get out there and uh, give you you know twenty five minutes per game over the course of his career so far, and uh, also a guy who's been valuable to uh, teams from a team building standpoint because of the contract that he was on at uh, various points during his career. Uh, signed a, uh, a five-year, uh, $35 million contract with the Celtics back in uh, 2015, which ended up being like a really like 
cheap deal for a guy who was able to give you as much as Jay Crowder was uh, back during that time. So it was a major asset for the Celtics and uh, got moved, excuse me, got moved from the, uh, from the Mavericks to the Celtics uh, in a deal uh, for uh, involving Rajon Rondo really helped the Celtics out during the, uh, the middle part of, uh, of, of the previous decade. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been, been a, a key contributor on some really good teams. I mean, played, uh, you know, on the LeBron uh, Cavs as well. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been a, a key ingredient on, on the Suns team this yeah. year uh, without, without any question. A guy who attended uh, Marquette, I believe we uh, talked about him on our Marquette episode. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would expect him to be in the NBA as a, as a factor for at least a few more years. It's almost his, uh, 31st birthday, but um, yeah, he's I pretty mean, good. He's definitely pretty good. And a guy who uh, you know definitely meets the criteria for uh, this because he's uh, worn 99 at uh, just about every stop in his uh, NBA career. And also, um, 34th overall. I mean, actually, was drafted by the Cavs, traded to the Mavericks, but then drafted, played for the Cavs still. And, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely good for that pick. No question. Uh, yeah, de- definitely a uh, – uh, fantastic uh, value with the uh, 34th overall pick. I think uh, he's gone to the finals three times, actually, because he went with the Cavs, didn't he? I think that's right. I think he did go with the Cavs. No, uh, he didn't go, actually, because he was traded to the Jazz during that season. During the season, yeah, yeah. So he, he wasn't on the squad by the time they uh, they, they went to the uh, to the finals that year. He could have got a ring. Great point. Great point. All right, so I had him at the, uh, at the three. Let's uh, move on to year two. I believe we had Jay Crowder there. And we can move on to uh, my two where I had uh, George Blamack. We got to him as well. So it's time to move on to our point guards. Let's talk about Ariel Mon. Now, we both had this guy. We're talking about Ace. Yeah, I mean, this guy, um, five years in the league, um, but not too bad. I mean, was another guy who was definitely um, associated with one state, Utah. I mean, born in Utah. What? He went to Utah State. Yeah, I mean, went to Utah State and um, – High school in Utah as well. So, um, yeah, I mean. You can say this is a Utah kind of guy. Definitely. And, um, I mean, passed away in 1997 at the age of 74. But, I mean, he had a good run in the league. Absolutely. I mean, as we mentioned, uh, you know, his name is Ace. I mean, that, that's that's pretty strong. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he was the best choice at point guard, despite uh, being listed as, as a forward uh, on basketball reference. As we mentioned, not a lot of uh, guard talent. But a guy who um, – yeah, I mean, played 259 games across the uh, BAA and uh, NBA with the uh, Detroit Falcons, Providence Steamrollers, uh, just down the road from here, St. Louis Bombers, and the uh, Washington Capitals. And uh, yeah, I didn't wear 99 for that long. I just with the uh, with the Detroit Falcons back in the 46-47 uh, season. But uh, yeah, he's one of the guys who uh, suited up wearing the uh, double nines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not a ton else to uh, to say about uh, about Ariel Mon. Uh, unfortunately, no longer with us, having passed away at age seventy four back in uh, nineteen ninety seven. Yes. All right, let's run down our squads here, and then if we feel like it, we can get to uh, the one last guy. Yeah, I had um, center George Mikan, power forward George Glamack, and small forward Roy Rogers, shooting guard Jake Crowder, and point guard Ariel Mon. Yeah, and I had uh, center George Mikan, power forward Darko Milicic. Small forward Jay Crowder, uh, shooting guard George Glamack, and point guard Ariel Mon. Now, there is one other guy who has worn number 99 in the NBA. I mean, he's barely played in the NBA, but he has played a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I'm talking about uh, Taco Fall. Yeah, I mean, tallest player in the league right now, and um, not horrible. 
Yeah, a guy who uh, played at uh, University of Central Florida. I mean, very interesting story, must be said. I mean, a guy who um, hadn't really uh, done anything basketball related as, as far as uh, as far as we know and, until he was age uh, like 15, basically. But he was already seven foot three. So the story goes. So obviously an enormous guy and really stood out among his peers uh, in Senegal and uh, was actually uh, noticed by uh, the brother of uh, the great Mamadou Njai. I mean, one of one of the two who uh, uh, has factored into uh, American hoops and uh, the the really tall guy. I believe we talked about him on an episode quite some time ago. Uh, basically encouraged Taco Fall to uh, start attending his basketball academy. And uh, wouldn't you know it, moved to the moved to the U.S. a year later. Uh, got settled in Florida and uh, ended up being recruited heavily by a whole bunch of different colleges and universities because uh, this guy's seven five. He actually was pretty good in college, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, his college stats. I mean, twenty four point nine points per game in his final season in college. He was definitely good in college, and um, I mean, very good in college. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, had, had a really uh, big impact in college. I mean, shot the ball incredibly well. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, the vast majority of the shots he's taking are, you know, drop-ins right at the hoop. I mean, being as, as tall as, as he is and not really uh, looking to space the floor at all, that's obviously not what he's there for. He's there to be a uh, shot deterrent and um He almost hit finisher. three in um, one of these Celtics games. He, like, banked in a on-the-line shot. Yeah, he hasn't actually taken any any official threes, but yeah, I remember uh, him having taken a uh, a long one. Uh, yeah, I mean, has some of the uh, has some of the records at the NBA draft combine for being uh, the the tallest. I mean, in, in shoes, I mean, seven feet seven inches tall in shoes. I mean, wow, this guy's uh, yeah. this, this guy's really big. Highest standing reach. I mean, just from flat foot. I mean, he can reach over over the rim. Uh, 10, 10 feet, uh, two and a half inches. So some pretty incredible uh, uh, just uh, measurements for uh, for Taco Fall, but not really a guy who can uh, get on the court and contribute too much. Yeah, uh, definitely not the most uh, not the most mobile player, but uh, you know effective as as a shot deterrent and um, you know end of the bench kind of big, but really functions mostly as a glorified mascot. I would say for the uh, for the Celtics at this point. Yeah. I mean, who knows? He might end up doing something else, but. Worth mentioning, he just finished his age twenty five season as well, so it's not like there's a lot of like growth potential with uh, with Taco Fall in all likelihood. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, there's probably not that much. I mean, has only one of the number ninety nine. So, well, I mean, it should be said that uh, initially during summer league, uh, upon entering the league, he was wearing um, the magic number fifty five, and then switched to ninety nine, which is pathetic. Yeah, that's that's certainly my feeling about it. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment to uh, compare these two squads to one another. And we'll wrap up this episode by uh, comparing the uh, '88 and '99 squads we've been discussing. Let's uh, start it off at uh, at center, where we've got '88's Gogo Batadze versus uh, '99's George Mikan. <laughs> George Mikan. <laughs> Not exactly a fair fight for Gogo Batadze there. Uh, all right. So we have a uh, one nothing lead for uh, the '99ers. Uh, we have at uh, power forward spot Nemanja Bielitsa of the 88ers and uh, George Klamak of the uh, 99ers. I'm going to take Nemanja Bielitsa. Yeah, I think that's fair. So that's going to even things up at uh, one to one heading into the matchup at uh, small forward between 88s Markeith Morris and uh, 99s Roy Rogers. A little out of position. I'm going to take Markeith Morris. Yeah, that's uh, that's reasonable as well. Roy Rogers not that much uh, on the court as a player. So it's going to give the 88ers a uh, 2-1 lead heading into this uh, two-guard matchup of uh, Nick Batum of the 88s 
against uh, Jay Crowder of the 99s. I'm going to take Jay Crowder. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That, those guys are both, uh, you know, key players and actually just faced off against each other in the playoff series. So they uh, mm-hmm. were just going at it. So you're taking uh, Jay Crowder. So that's going to even things up at uh, 2 2. I think. Yeah, game five. Yeah, game five. And it's, uh, it's, it's a big one between Alexi, uh, Alexei Shved of the uh, 88s and uh, Ariel Mon of the uh, 99s. Which what direction are you going here? This is quite a battle. I'm going to. Alexi Shved. Alexi Shved and 88 wins it three to two. Wow. So, I mean, is this how you actually would envision it playing out on the court? I mean, you can imagine. Yes, like, I mean, look Alexi how- Shved bringing up the ball against <laughs> Ariel Mon. I mean, just picture it in your mind's eye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's easy to picture. Um, <laughs> just like, I mean, so many current players, I feel like. I mean, the players are so much more recent on that team Yeah. compared to the other one, and I feel like that would really help. Yeah, 88 definitely feels like it's, like, coming up. I mean, like, there's a, a, a lot of action in the 88 world. I'm not sure about 99 quite as much. I mean, obviously, Jay Crowder uh, holding it down for 99, but that's kind of it for now. Yeah. Kind of surprising. I mean, you feel like there would be some, like, crossovers, people who are inspired by, like, you know, Wayne Gretzky or something, you know, who would, like, uh, wear 99. I don't know. It actually doesn't seem like Jay Crowder is even, like, that popular of a guy around the NBA. I know we didn't really mention that during his part of it, but – uh I don't know, maybe uh, – I, I don't know if he's really going to inspire a lot of people to wear 99 because he's been wearing it. Yeah. In any event, uh, the 88s uh, take this one 3-2, uh, to two, and, uh, yeah, it's been fun uh, fun breaking this one down as usual. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for this episode. Uh, if you uh, have any questions or comments on uh, what we're doing here, please uh, feel free to reach out at barnardsonthenba at uh, gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at uh, barnardsonnba. Yeah, and if you're um, looking for any other podcasts, you can feel free to listen to one of our episodes or take a favorites with Ava on that. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna take a uh, take a, a brief break uh, while we're uh, uh, out of town for a little bit, and uh, we'll be back uh, soon to uh, hook you up with another episode. Yeah. Um. Bye.